Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. Today we're talking with Intazar Abdul Qadir about harassment on the run, which is all part of our um, Reclaim Your Run campaign jane do you want to just sort of let any listeners know um a little bit more about it if they're not familiar with um, what we're doing yeah so reclaim your run is a kind of joint campaign with our sister brand women's health and we surveyed over 2000 runners um and we asked females predominantly about their experience of harassment when running and i think the top line was that 60 percent of female runners have been harassed while running 25 percent receive sexual like sexual harassment very often when they're running and I think six percent have feared for their life when they're running so it, it was shocking it was it shows that we haven't really moved on since we last did the survey in 2015 and I think we had 600 women share their stories with us and Intasar who you'll hear from later in the podcast is one of those women so it's been um really eye-opening and I think it shows that I think it shows that female female runners don't always feel safe and it's something that needs to change both in the running community and broader. Before we discuss it, Rick, you got you've got a couple of letters that you were going to just read out. Yeah, we got we got a few letters uh, on this in the magazine. Uh I just wanted to thank you for the excellent report in this month's issue Reclaim Your Run. Uh, I began the article being glad that I did not associate with uh, the running, with, that I did not associate running with a culture of fear. I soon realised, however, that I do many things uh, mentioned in the report. Only running in daylight, carrying my keys to use as a weapon in quiet places, and changing my running walking routes if I, areas are too quiet. My general rule of thumb is, if someone can't hear me shouting for help, I shouldn't run there, which I now realise limits my running routes. Going forward, as suggested, I'll be more active in showing solidarity with other runners and support the crime, not compliment campaign. And that came through from annabelle and then uh yeah thank you so much for drawing attention again to the harassment female runners face um i am sorry to say that this harassment faces women of all ages as a woman in my 60s i very rarely get harassed while out walking anymore but i put on my running gear and it's a different situation i don't wear a revealing kit but when out running on my own i'm frequently abused and have twice been chased um the strange thing is it's often much younger uh, men even boys who do this so men my own age can be patronizing but rarely threatening so yeah, that's an interesting kind of uh, take on this. Is actually, it's, it's not just younger women who are who are facing uh, harassment or even being chased, sort of physical abuse on the run. It's actually women of all ages, and that came through from from Carol, who was yeah, again, very much in favour of our reclaim your run campaign. And Jane, you 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 were sort of you've been working tirelessly through all of the all of the survey results, and and you've sort of some of the comments, obviously with a uh sort of struck a chord with uh you in terms of experience and what people were talking about and it's not just 
harassment from what I guess what people might perceive to be harassment and what actually is harassment was kind of the sort of the big the big sort of takeaway from it yeah I think the thing the story sort of stuck with me and I can I'll read Tessa's story out in a second is that I think people it's majority male they might shout something out the window as a funny comment but they don't realize the implications they don't realize that that woman won't ever forget that they won't ever you know they'll always remember that and I'll read Tessa we've got a story on the site for anyone who wants to read it where 50 women share I've taken their quotes from it's not their whole stories but I've taken quotes just because I you know as I said 600 women wrote in and I wanted those voices to be heard Um, and Tessa wrote the experience I remember most clearly was when I was running down one of my usual routes and a group of lads in a car slowed down rolled down the window and called me fat because I was running on the path by the side of the main road through town I diverted my course for a more residential area as worried those lads would pass me again I'm not particularly concerned about my weight I'm a size 12 but this was really upsetting I didn't run that route again for the long time afterwards and I've never worn them the top I was and I've never worn the top I was wearing since it was a nice top and it's gutting really when I think about it and honestly that story even now makes me so sad because it's just you know what she's never worn that outfit again and it's such a silly those boys probably won't even remember shouting that but it's do you mean it's I think it just yeah it shows that these silly comments really affect women and I think men as well but maybe they don't experience it as much that's part of the main hopefully aims of this whole uh, this whole survey and then the reclaim your run thing is not just to raise awareness of the things that female runners have to go through to uh, on a daily basis when they consider a run but also just to highlight to men who are the main perpetrators of all these acts is that you might consider harassment or these uh, any man might consider harassment to be something physical or something like threatening or not as you say they consider oh it's just a funny joke i was just you know, messing around, shouting something out the window. But those things, like it's, it, it, first of all, you have no, pos- you have no position or place to be saying anything to anyone about how they look or what they're doing when they're out for a run. And secondly, it's, it's just the sort of, yeah, it's that sort of sense of um, uh, power or whatever it is that forces people or makes people want to do these things. And that, that is harassment. Like you're, you're, t- you're putting, you're using your position or your power or your physical threat or your whatever it is to, to put, you know, to say something to someone that something that is untoward. And that's, uh, that is harassment. And even if you think it's funny or you think it's a joke or it's not, it's not racist or you're not being sexual or any of those things, just saying something like you look fat, is harassment yeah i think it's an educational piece i mean it's it's interesting you say that because i think some of the reaction that um on social media it's, it does seem like it's a slightly divisive issue and, and there's an accusation mainly from i think mainly from men again that we may be in some way exaggerating the issue or the fact that it's not just this is this is a, a popular one isn't it it's, it's not just women that um receive harassment on the run which is of course is true um but the vast majority of harassment is towards women and even it, when it's towards men i would i would suggest that it's other men harassing men so even if women aren't always the victims men are always the perpetrators near enough and i just think it's, it doesn't really reflect well on men to sort of say well look actually we're harassed too it's like uh, yeah okay that's that is true and that and that's and that's not all right but we have to own this as a largely what is a male problem 
Yeah, I think as someone who went through the 600 responses and more, most of the male ones were harassment by dogs, which is probably an issue for another podcast, but I don't think it can be branded harassment in the same way as some of the female experiences, from my opinion, and I'm sure people won't agree. The stark difference in saying I went for a run and I a dog barked at me or chased me um, and that's that's the extent of it to I was running and a man on a bike shouted he was going to rape me for four miles. Those those are the that's the sort of difference in story we're talking about. Um, well, look, before we, we talk to our guest of the week, Jane, how can anyone get involved with the uh, Reclaim Your Run campaign? So you can show your solidarity um, for the campaign and stand with those 25 percent of women who are routinely sexually harassed while out running by heading for your run yourself. Um do 25 minutes and post about it on your Instagram using the hashtag Reclaim Your Run, tagging Runners World and Women's Health UK. You can also, if you head to um, runnersworld.com slash UK slash Reclaim Your Run, you can sign the Crime Not Compliment campaign from Our Streets Now and Plan International UK, which is aiming to make harassment a crime. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown Intasar Abdul-Qadir is an NHS public health practitioner from Harrow and has been running for over 10 years. Intasar was out for a run last summer when she was harassed by a group of men for wearing her hijab. She's spoken about her harassment as part of the Runners World and Women's Health Reclaim Your Run campaign, where she said, I'm determined to continue running. It's an act of defiance. Intasar is here to share our story. Lula, Intasar is here to share her story with our listeners. Intasar, welcome to the Runners World podcast. So you've told your story online, but can you share what happened to you with our listeners? Um, this incident, um, it happened um, last year, July, and it was during the time of, um, I think it was around the time of Eat Out to Help Out as well. I think I've got the dates right. But it was a Wednesday, I remember, and I had like um, two hour um, break in my day because I worked from home for the NHS. And I thought, oh, I can get a run in. And um, I had an easy run schedule for the day. I thought, let me go out. It was hot, I remember. And um, I went out and I live where I live in Harrow. is very, it's quiet, but residential quiet. So the people I see around is people that live around my neighborhood. So we kind of all know each other. Um, so I went out for my usual route. And I've got this habit of changing it around um, during the week, the running week. Um, I don't like to run the same place twice. Um so I thought, let me run this route today. And then on my way back, I can stop and grab coffee and walk home and continue my working day. And um, it's a way, it's, it's, it's a ride that I know off by heart. Um, I went out and I think it was two kilometers in. And then it's this Italian pizzeria coffee shop that we have down the road. And um, there's a group of guys sitting outside. And um, I mean, I had my headsets in. I've got them in now, but they're wireless Um and, and I wear an Nike Pro hijab when I'm out running or training, so you can't see that I'm wearing headsets. But um, whenever I'm out on a run, and it's for safety reasons, it's a habit that I picked up in the past 10 years, is um, I have my music on, like, um, not, not too low but not too high. I want to be aware of my surroundings. Um, you hear of all these accidents that happen to runners. I just want to be cautious as well, but at the same time enjoy a good playlist when I'm out. But um, that particular day, my music was very low, so I could easily hear conversations that are happening and I wasn't far away from the table as well um and then 
one of them that they all you can when, when people stop to stare you have you can it's a sense that you pick up that someone's looking at you and I stopped immediately and then I'm I stood there waiting because I knew they were going to say something. One of them was anyways, because of the way he was looking at me at the time. And then um, and then he was like, oh, you. And I thought, okay, I'm the only one running here. So I looked around and then immediately he was like, yes, you. So I was like, okay, he's talking to me then. So um, I completely switched off my music and I didn't reply back. I didn't say yes, can I help? Nothing because his tone was aggressive. So I thought, I'm not going to reply. And then he was like, oh, it's hot enough. I'm sure your God would allow you to take off some layers and your headscarf and run. And then um, I thought, why do you want me to take off layers and run? Like, what, what does it matter what I'm wearing if I'm out running? Like, it doesn't matter if I'm fully covered or wearing a sports bra and shorts. It's got nothing to do with you, what a woman and a girl or anybody that identifies as female is wearing out on a run. And then I'm a Muslim woman. I'm visibly a Muslim. You can see I'm wearing a headscarf. You can see I'm wearing running gear. And um, I thought okay, shall I retaliate? Shall I say something? There was one gentleman in the group that kind of like looked at his friend in shock and I wish he said something because that's when allies are really needed. But I could see his body language was kind of like he was taken back by his friend. But obviously because there were a group of friends, he didn't. But it was that one loud individual out of the five that obviously felt so confident to say something out loud. There was other tables around. Other people looked at him in like shock because children were sitting there as well. And I thought, is this the example you want to show the world? Is this how you want to look like? And then and then he laughed out loud, but two of his friends didn't join in in the laughter and two did. And then I thought, shame on you for saying that, shame on you for making me feel like this. But also at the same time, I felt such guilt of not speaking up. I was like, why didn't I say something? Afterwards, in hindsight, I was like, why didn't I like retaliate and say something and say like, this is illegal, what you're saying is you're Islamophobic, you're, homo- you're being misogynistic, you're racist. It's just... It's unnecessary. You've been unkind. Like, it's just thought, what does it matter what I'm wearing if I'm out on a run? Yes, it's hot, but everything I'm wearing is Nike Hypercool. I am as cool as a cucumber. Like, I'm not hot. It doesn't bother me. So why does it bother you, you know? But um, and then I stopped and I thought, I looked at him, but you could see the look of disgust on my face. I continued on running. He continued on laughing. But I didn't go on that same route that I would go on. I... I remember I took a right and then a right and I turned back on myself because I just wanted to go home. But I didn't want to stop and turn back because you would know that's the way home. I continued on running. I took a couple of rights and I left because it's my area. I grew up here, so I know it. And then I went home. But it kind of like, I got in and I was just so angry, frustrated, sad, heartbroken. And I still had my working day to kind of like wrap my head around as well. Working in mental health services is so, especially in the past year that we had in the pandemic has been grueling I mean the, the influx of information that we get sometimes is like we need time off as well as members of staff for the NHS and then running was my time off during the day it was my break but either I run in the morning in the afternoon or after work it's my little bit of like we're living in hard times we're living in a pandemic the world just opened up a little bit at the time so everybody was excited to go like go out and like enjoy just sitting outside and a little bit of normality and no Running is normality for me. And um, I felt like that normality was taken away a little bit. And then I thought, I should have said something, but what if I did say something and I was attacked because it was five against one at the time. And I thought, it's a restaurant, there's cameras there. It's somewhere that I go. Like they probably would have like said something to defend, but I didn't want to risk it. So I thought, let me just run back home. 
But it's not the first time I've seen something like this happen on a run. It happened to another female runner um, as well. And I remember at the time, I stopped to like be like, there was two meters between us. And then I, this is, I think it was about April, May. So it was just before lockdown. I mean, just before lockdown opened. And I was like, you, just for her to feel like there's someone there around her to help out. But I wish someone was there for me, you know. But um, it's it's uncomfortable and it throws you off. Like for a couple of days afterwards, I remember it was a Wednesday. I didn't go back out running till about Saturday, Sunday. Like it took that many days for me to shake it off. And then I looked at my run schedule. I was like, well, we need to run because um, I needed the break from work. Um, yeah, it was it was it did throw me off. Um, it doesn't matter what someone wears; somebody will always have an opinion. Um, whether you're fully covered or not, you know, I feel like some human beings feel like they're entitled to say something. And as members of the community, we should stick up for each other when something like that happens. Yeah, I think when we, this is my second time hearing your story and it, it's still as shocking. And I think when we spoke before, you really eloquently described it as this kind of catch-22 that women are harassed if they're deemed to be uncovered and then they're harassed if they're deemed to be covered up. And I really liked how you kind of, it's so, so relatable and important, I think. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It relates to everybody. I mean... Um, it's not only Muslim women that cover up. People want to be modest and they want to cover up or not. It's up to the person. You know, you're free to be who you want to be. We live in the UK and you can do what you want. But it's like you're wearing a sports bra hijab with a brand that advocates for Muslim athletes. And then you get this as well on the other side. And I thought, shame on you. You're the one that has a side life, but I'm the one that's talking about this now and hopefully educating others. And it's all about like, knowing where and when to step in if something if, if somebody another human being witnesses something like this or just like without even saying anything just being around um I remember when I stopped for the other female runner that, ha- that happened to that I wasn't anywhere near her but it's just the thought of like I'm here as well and then we continued on running behind each other for like a good half an hour but it was the thought of like there's someone with you as well and if something happened there's a witness because after that you've heard of so many stories that happened to Women all around the UK, I think the Sarah Everard story shook everybody because that could have been anyone. You know, it's just, 
heartbreaking and sad, but it doesn't stop me from being who I am and I'm still going to go out and run. Well, that's good. I was going to ask if, if there's been a kind of lasting impact on how you run. Has it changed the routes you take or how you feel when you're running or are you doing much the same as you were before? Yeah, I mean, even way before this incident for safety, um, it does. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's summertime now, which is great because the sun doesn't set till a bit, well, hopefully summer anyways. Um, <laughs> the sun doesn't set till late. So there's a bit of daylight even at nine o'clock, which is nice. But during the winter months, especially like the second lockdown, which I think was really hard on a lot of people, the sun would set at four o'clock, five o'clock and my working day finishes at five and I, I just want to go out and run. But um, I've got this clip on lights that I um, won from a competition from one of the Adidas runs that happened in London a couple of years ago and they're still working and I clipped them on my shoes. Um, I also wear like a high-vis um, colour when I'm out running at night. Um, sometimes headlamps come in really handy um, and always let somebody know. Um, I let, let like a family member always know what route I'm going. If it's a long run, especially on a Sunday, like I would let somebody know where I'm going, how long I'm going to be. I guesstimate if it's going to be like a two-hour run, I'll be like, I'm going out for two hours for running, maybe grab groceries and coffee on my way back. So I'll be out for two hours and a half. So there's always that. If I'm not back in like three hours, four, then you know something's up. So look out for me. So yeah, you are taking those various precautions already because I think a lot of blokes maybe don't, realize the day-to-day precautions that female runners have to take and i think ben and i probably go out for a run and we don't have to have make those kind of considerations i think that's very much part of it i think that that a lot of the experiences of male runners is is that they're going out for a run and they'll just choose any time of the day any route that they any route that they want and put on their short shorts and a vest and not be bothered about it and just head on out and i think that that's a lot of what we wanted to try and achieve well, with the with the uh, the survey that which you kindly took part in and, and spoke up with about is uh yeah just uh, highlighting the different experiences that people have with running and what actually the daily run means rather than like the presumption that yeah it's absolutely fine to just go out whenever you want i wish i could go out whenever i want i mean i love early morning runs but during when it's really dark outside i'm like mm, is it worth it my safety comes first so it's kind of like i weigh the options so midday runs seem to work the best for me at the moment and um it's less busiest on the road as well because we're still living in a pandemic time so you know i just want to be safe as well so yeah um it's, it's I, I pick and choose the time i run um and also like what i wear as well comes into it um i know that i'm still very much covered when i'm running but at the same time it's like um anything that would not attract attention so just make sure like if I'm um I'm wearing a long sleeve top always because I'm wearing a hijab but at the same time with my top below the hips so that you know nobody says anything just in case you know but this whole just in case thing is a bit draining you know like you say run in the morning because you want to be safe just in case something happens you wear headlamp just in case you know but run in pairs if you can just in case but I just want to go out and run. It kind of like defeats the purpose of the joy of running. Mm. Yeah. From the survey, we saw that only 3% of women ever really reported their harassment to the police. And Jane, I know that you've experienced it and reported it before and it's come to nothing. Mm-hmm. Was there any point where you felt that you would report it and what stopped you from doing that? Or did you report it? I mean, that incident I didn't. And that's the one that the guilt that I felt. It's like, why deny? Because I've had... I could have gained all the information I needed at the time to mm. kind of like track down those members of the community. Well, but um, now I know better. 
now I know that I have the law on my side. Now I know I can easily say so-and-so did that or take a picture or um, do something, anything, report it. As long as like somebody, I know that I've done it. I don't know what's going to happen next. What are they going to do with that information? Are they going to um, catch these people or what? But um, I know that I've done it and my conscience will feel better because hopefully like it will deter that same person doing it to the next runner on the road. Yeah, I definitely think from, obviously from my experience, the police didn't do anything. But I think from talking to the women I've spoken to in this campaign, a few women said, if we keep reporting every time it happens, the police will have to do something. They will have to do it because if they're getting hundreds of calls a week from women, they have to have a look at what they can do. So I guess maybe as individuals, we don't report it. But if everyone starts doing it, then we'll we'll be able to run safer. So you can see it's it's a change that needs to happen. Strength in numbers, definitely. It is a change that needs to happen. And um, even like um, boys, men, anybody that identifies as, as male sees something like that happening, just stop and like be there for support as well. And like having witnesses does help. So if, if somebody does report it and be like, yeah, somebody else witnessed it and this, this is their details, then yeah, having allies does help. And, you know, it's a shift in how we look out for each other. Because that could easily, anybody could be the next person that goes missing and we don't want that. I think that stood out for me in your story that, yes, it was one individual, but the other four were silent. And that's as almost as bad. Yeah. I mean, they just sat there, still enjoyed their meal and drink, but I'm the one that kind of went back home shaking. And, and then I thought, you know, I was covered top to bottom, literally. Like, you could just see my hands and my face. Even, like, my ankles were covered... But it's like, what, what is it that you see that I don't when I'm out running? What is it that you imagine and see? It's like, it's way beyond that. And I thought, and also like, because of the type of day job that I have, I stop and think of like, what is their psyche doing? Like, how are they thinking? How are they processing the information when they see a female runner, woman runner, girl runner, doing that, doing, just enjoying life? Like, what is it that you see? So that's another whole thing as well. So it's, at the time I felt like so... I felt like he saw through me and I was like, no, but you can't see through me because I make sure like I'm modest when I'm out because I'm not just a runner, I'm a Muslim runner as well. And my religion comes first always like, so it's like, what is it that you see that I don't? Am I portraying myself as something else? But even if I was, what's it got to do with you? So what if somebody's out running in a, I mean, summer months are coming soon. Hopefully it's going to get warmer. There's going to be more girls and women out running in sports bars and shorts and good for them. So are they going to be harassed? Most likely they will be. And I hope that they stop and report something like this. And if I see it happening again to myself or anybody else, God forbid, I will stop and report it. Definitely. Good for you. I think that that is a shift that um, a lot of men need to make is that we can console ourselves or have been allowed to console ourselves with the idea that, well, I'm, I'm not out there saying these kind of things. Therefore, like I'm completely innocent in this whole debate. We're actually... What a lot of women are asking is, if you do see it, it's not enough just to be neutral and, and not to be a perpetrator. You've actually got to call it out and be kind of anti-sexist, anti-racist. Um, and that's that's a, that's a on men, I think. And I think some men are kind of resistant to it. But I think that's absolutely what needs to happen as a, as a next step, I think. Definitely. I mean, at the time as well, in July, I remember like we were riding the wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. So everything was heightened. So I felt... I was like, wow, this, it was, it felt like not a slap, but a punch in the face. I was like, I'm visibly Muslim. I'm also black and I'm a woman. Like, 
you're targeting every single identity of me. Like I felt it was just, it felt so demoralizing and, you know, and I wouldn't want it to happen to anybody ever. I mean, I was brave enough to speak, speak about it afterwards and share my, I mean, when that survey came out, I didn't even think twice. I clicked and straight away, like I wrote something. And I remember like when I got the email from Eugene, I was like, oh my God, like somebody noticed the story. You know, this is amazing. And look at the conversations that are happening now. And I call out people. I've had, I've, I've got two younger brothers who are young men. And I always say to them, like, when you see something like this happen, stop and just be an ally. And it's like the strength in numbers to stop and just observe what's happening and, and step in when it needs to be and call the police which comes to show. So, you know, lessons that are being learned, definitely. I mean, your story is unfortunately just a, it's a sort of triple whammy of, of, of hate, really, isn't it? If you think sort of you've got, you've got misogyny, Islamophobia and, and racism all thrown into one big... Everything in one. When running is such a beautiful... Like, the running community is so beautiful. Like, I've, I've, I've travelled because of running. I've been to world majors and had a great time at Chicago, Berlin, and hopefully New York end of this year. And I know, like, everybody loves each other because, like, we love running and that's why, like, this community is so close-knit. So when something like this happened, like it vibrates in the running community. And I think the survey that came out, that's why so many women filled it out because it's it's something that we do. But at the same time, the comments that come with that are so unnecessary. So you got New York. Is that your your next running adventure? Yeah, so New York was meant to be last year, but um, I had a confirmed entry. I entered the ballot and I got a place. So my entry was meant to be for last year, November 2020. But obviously because of the pandemic, it's been deferred. So I was given the option of two dates, so 2021 this year or next year. So I filled out option one, option two, and I find out 1st of June if I get the go-ahead for this year. I can't wait. Yeah, oh, I'm wow. taking a That'd break from running. I just needed May to rest, but um, I'm talking to a run coach, and I hope you know, so once like, I, that date is confirmed, June onwards, my training will start. <laughs> and I can't wait. New York is meant to be amazing. I mean, London yeah, is number one. Of course, sure. The best. Oh, 100%. London Marathon is brilliant, like, Nothing beats the running community in London, but um, apparently New York might. So um, I'm always going to be biased for London, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've not run it. I think, Ben, you've been there for New York, haven't you? You've been at, in New York at the time. Yeah, a couple of few times now. And it is, it is, it's totally, it's a, it's a totally different experience. So I think London can still definitely be your number one. That's fine. But but the New York but the New York experience is very different. Like you when you get up through like Harlem and stuff, and the the, the like the the music and the atmosphere is way more like it's it's up more than yeah. yeah. I can just imagine. Yeah, everybody's telling me yes. You're saying London. Yeah. Wait until you. It's run strong. New York it's hilly though. Those bridges. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's why I can't wait. Like this year, I'm definitely working with a one coach. Um, but because everybody's telling me New York is very hilly, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Chicago was flat. Chicago was beautiful and so flat. So um, yeah, we'll see. But I can't wait to start running again. I just I've got Hackney Half coming up in September, so that should be like oh, a that's nice, a good one. A nice yeah, warm up, really good. Intazar, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your story with us. It was uh, it was great to have you on and to you know hear hear from hear from yourself. Actually, we might have read it. Anyone listening might have read it, but to hear your hear you talk about it was was hopefully super helpful for a lot of people thank you very much for having me on board it's been a pleasure so that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast thanks very much to our guest intazar and to you of course for listening you can subscribe to runners world magazine and get three issues for just five pounds head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash runners world podcast to get this exclusive listener offer 
The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and click subscribe. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.